Hello and welcome to the Speaking for Him podcast. My name is Andrew Gamison, and each and every Wednesday, I have the privilege of being your host for this short time of encouragement on this journey that we call the Christian life. So thank you so much for joining me. Uh, for those of you who listened last week, you know that last week I was able to feature my interview with author Karen Kingsbury. That was such a blessing. If you have not had the chance to go back and listen to that, please do. I, it would mean a whole lot to me if you would listen and share it with your family and friends. It truly was a highlight of my broadcasting career, and I'm very thankful again to Karen for sitting down for that interview. And if you've been encouraged by it, please send me your feedback at the end of the show. Today on the show, we are going to talk about the new movie, Journey to Bethlehem. Now, this movie kind of snuck up on me. I started seeing promos for it, and I was like, another Nativity story movie? Because, we, you know, we had the movie The Nativity a few years back. It was pretty good, but did we really need another movie like that? And then I found out that it was a musical. And as much as I love musicals, I had mixed feelings about them turning this story into a musical. And I did enjoy the movie overall, but I have some interesting thoughts about it, which you will hear as we move through this review. But first, I want to open up with our quote of the day. Our quote of the day actually comes from one of the songs uh, that takes place in this movie, and this is Mary coming to grips with the idea that she is going to be the mother of the Son of God. And the song is titled, Mother to a Savior and King. And this song actually highlighted one of the things that I really appreciate about this film, and that is that they never implied that Mary was perfect or a superhuman being. They definitely kept the biblical truth that she was simply a humble human person that God chose to highly bless and favor with the opportunity to be the mother of the Son of God. And I think uh, Mother to a Savior and King is one of the best songs on the soundtrack, and I really enjoyed the message of it. And the quote uh, that I'm drawing from the song is, Mary is grappling with this huge declaration that God has given her, and here is her response, basically summed up in one question that she asks God. How can I carry the Son of God when I need you to carry me? And I really like that question because she's faced with the reality of the fact that God has told her that she is going to give birth to the Son of God. She's going to raise this baby, but this baby has a high calling to save his people from their sins. And Mary felt the weight of her sin. You know, later in the story, when she goes to Elizabeth, she gives her Magnificat where she talks about that God has regarded the humble estate of his maidservant. So Mary is not someone who is super special and has been planning for this for years. 
She is simply someone who has honored God with her life, and God is saying to her, as a humble maid servant of mine, I am giving you the opportunity to be a part of my divine redemption plan for mankind. And I really like the fact that they brought that out of this film. I will dig into my review more as soon as you get a chance to listen to the theatrical trailer for Journey to Bethlehem. Your father has always known you are special. Nothing will change that, Mary. Tell Mary we are ready. The music, play! Mary, you're getting married. It's about to be the best day of your life. Um, Joseph, I feel like we're already friends, no? God has chosen you to have a son, the king of all kings. This wasn't a dream. An angel came to me. It's hard to have faith. It's hard to believe. Look at the star. The future holds more. This is it. Let's go. A divine king is to be born in your land. It's a mountain to hide would I help find a new king in my kingdom? <laughs> well, when you put it that way. Perhaps we should go. What is the exit? It's going to be king. Everyone wants my crown. I want the mother found. Don't have to be good. Those men are looking for you. Here must know of the prophecy. He wants my child. It's so good to be Joseph! I'm not the only one who's chosen for this. You have a choice. You can say you believe me and that you love me. Will you still marry me, Joseph? I do. I will. Yes, of course, yes. You truly believe that this child is the chosen one. What is his name? Jesus. I think even Fig is beginning to tolerate you. Stop. Stop. And there you have the theatrical trailer for Journey to Bethlehem. Now, I want to say off the top here that I really thought this was well cast I want to give credit to some of the principals of the cast really quick here. Fiona Palamo as Mary and Milo Mannheim as Joseph did a very good job in the lead roles. I thought it was an interesting interpretation of the couple because they made Joseph a young man and Mary a young woman, so they were very close in age in this interpretation which is not traditionally something that people consider when putting together this story. I know in my research of the Christmas story for various projects and sermons that I've worked on, 
people believe it in a variety of different ways. Some people believe that uh, Joseph was similar in age to Mary. Others believe that he was a lot older. And so there's a lot of different beliefs and interpretations. We don't know what the truth is regarding that. We do know that Joseph fades from view as the Gospels go on. So the assumption is that he dies and leaves Mary a widow. And this is further uh, enhanced by the fact that when Jesus is dying on the cross, he leaves Mary in the care of his disciple that he loved, John the Apostle, because as the oldest son, he fulfills his earthly duty to make sure that his mother is provided for, which is something that was common in the Jewish culture. And I've always loved that about Jesus, that he cared about human things and fulfilling his human role, even as he was standing between heaven and earth, paying the ultimate sacrifice for our sins. Um, 100% divine, 100% human, all Jesus, and we can be thankful for both aspects of his person. And so that is Mary and Joseph. Then we have Joel Smallbone as Antipater, um, who is the son of Antonio Banderas's Herod. So those are kind of the principal characters in our story. Now let's get into the review itself. My general thoughts are, again, I didn't know what to expect going in. I had heard before I went to see it that it was a musical and that there were some people uh, that had worked on High School Musical who were involved with it. And so I wasn't sure what I thought about that. My first observation as far as that goes is I felt like the music was all over the place. I didn't feel like it stuck to one style. Uh, there was an opening song about Mary getting married, which was kind of like an old Disney musical. And then there were more serious songs like the one I mentioned where she's having her conversation with God and crying out to him. So it was more of a seriously Miz style um, musical expression and some musicals, as my brother has pointed out to me, do utilize multiple musical styles, but I really felt like the music was all over the place and that it could have been a more solid offering had the music followed one theme. And I really think that's something to be said about the music, the movie overall is that it struggled to know what it was and what it was trying to be because it would fluctuate from comedic moments and kind of this Disney fairy tale style to a very serious approach because it is a very serious story with actually very adult themes because you have the theme of Mary being betrothed to Joseph and then she is found to be with child and then the responses to that, of course, are very serious because in that culture she could have been stoned but Joseph, being the just man that he was, determined to put her away privately, and then the angel spoke to him, and he chose to take her as his wife. And so you have the serious things juxtaposed against some almost Disney magic-feeling things. So I felt like that took away from uh, the story. I've always held um, the 
matter of telling stories of Jesus in a very serious light. I think they need to be told with reverence. And at some points I kind of felt like the reverence was missing. Um, but I did feel like there were some high points too. And so it was kind of an up and down journey, this film. Um, but I will say this, that as I mentioned earlier, one of the things I really appreciated is it did emphasize the humanity of Mary. Because some people, when they talk about Mary in this story, they kind of raise her to a superhuman level. And she was just a humble maidservant by her own accounting. And God chose to use her to become the mother of God. And as far as we know, she was faithful to God. She served him well throughout her life. But she was human, like you and I. And so we can be encouraged from the story of Mary that God can use the things that happen uh, in our lives to build us into godly um, people who can serve him well, even though we have weaknesses. Now, this movie started out with Mary kind of chafing that her father would choose a spouse for her, which I thought was an interesting choice because I'm pretty sure that arranged marriage was par for the course in that culture. But I feel like the makers of this movie wanted to make sure that people uh, didn't feel that this woman was being unfairly oppressed or at least that she had an idea that she wanted to get married one way. She said in the beginning that she wants to marry for love and her parents want her to make a good match so she's cared for. So they kind of juxtapose those two ideas uh, to give modern women a voice, I guess. Uh, but I don't think it really had a place in the actual story. I do believe that Mo that Joseph was an obviously good man, and I think that Mary knew that. I tend to believe that Mary and Joseph had some idea of one another, and so... I don't think it was like totally blind, but definitely given the Jewish culture, the parents were highly involved in this process. She actually says in the beginning of this film, as the characters developed for Journey to Bethlehem, that she wants to be a teacher. Her father taught her um, the prophecies. Uh, it's indicated that she has two sisters and no brothers and that perhaps one of the reasons that her father spent uh, time sharing with her all these scriptures is because he wished that she was a boy. But then her mother says that he shared them with her because he had high hopes for her and he believed that if she followed God, she would be blessed. So again, you have this juxtaposition um, of kind of a modern thought process and then more of a biblical thought process, which says even if you're not a teacher, even if you're not in a quote-unquote leadership position, you can still be benefited from knowing the scriptures. And we know from Mary's Magnificat uh, to Elizabeth that she did know the scriptures and she understood uh, the things that God had done for his people and the things that he would continue to do through Jesus. So she definitely had a theological understanding and she had a relationship with God as much as she could for that time period. So I think it was just the director's way of explaining that for the purposes of the movie. And although 
I didn't really agree with it, I could understand why they took that tack. Another interesting thing about this film is that Mary actually meets Joseph before she finds out that she's betrothed to him. She knows that she's betrothed to a man named Joseph, but she hasn't met Joseph yet. And so she meets Joseph not knowing that he's Joseph, and he kind of flirts with her, and she says that's inappropriate because I'm betrothed, and he continues to do it. And then when she finds out that it's him that she's betrothed to, she's like, you are betrothed as well, and you didn't act like you were, and that's not very good. And so they get off to a rocky start, um, but ultimately um, they agree to the betrothal, and they begin to develop a little bit of a bond. Of course, then the angel comes and gives Mary the news, and she tells her parents and Joseph, and the response is is what you would have thought, that her parents don't believe her. Uh, They are blindsided by this news. Um, And she says, have you ever known me to lie to you? And I really like that, too, because she is appealing to them and saying, this is my character. I've never lied to you. I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm just telling you what this angel said to me. And it sets her off in a great deal of upheaval, which I think is very realistic because I can only imagine what the real Mary must have been thinking when the angel came. I mean, she even says, um, how can this be since I don't know a man? And the angel says, with God, nothing is impossible. And then she says, let it be according to your word. And I wish that part had been drawn more out of this film. There were there were several times, actually, where I thought they could have actually quoted the biblical text and they didn't do it. They kind of alluded to it, but they didn't quote it. And I thought that kind of took away from the film. So you have... Um, Mary and Joseph developing this relationship. And then Mary goes to be with Elizabeth because, of course, she hears about Elizabeth being barren but now expecting a child. So she goes to the one person that can understand her plight because it really warms my heart when I read that story in the Bible and I realize that God always knows what he's doing. And he placed Elizabeth in Mary's life as someone who understood her plight as no one else could because she was going through an impossible birth at the same time. And, of course, Elizabeth immediately responds with favor to Mary because whether God told Elizabeth ahead of time or whether Elizabeth just sensed in her spirit when Mary got there, one way or another, Elizabeth knows what's going on and she is humbled by the fact that the mother of her Lord would come into her home. And, of course, John the Baptist, in Elizabeth's womb, leaps, and uh, she says, the babe leaped in my womb because the mother of my Lord is here. Now, that's not brought out uh, with great clarity in this film, but I love the relationship between Elizabeth and Mary and the fact that they were able to support one another. In this telling of the story, um, Joseph goes to Mary at Elizabeth's and he has been told that he needs to go to Bethlehem uh, to be taxed. And so 
uh, Zacharias marries Mary and Joseph, and then they go to Bethlehem. Uh, through the course of that journey, they find out that Herod is after them. This is one of the uh, major departures from the story that I really didn't like, um, that Herod finds out about them before the baby's born and begins to go after them, and he actually sends his son, played by Joel Smallbone, uh, to find the baby. And, and then you have the wise men are in this story, and they're kind of the comic relief of the story, which, again, I'm not sure that there should be comic relief in a story about Jesus. Um, and so that was something that I struggled with, the way they uh, switched from comedy to serious so quickly. And there was also a scene with the angel Gabriel like that where he hits his head on Mary's roof when he comes to see her. And that was played for comedy. And then, he, of course, he goes into the most serious message ever where he tells her that she's going to be the mother um, to the Son of God. Um, but I did like, as I said, the fact that she realizes the gravity of that and she says, how can I carry the Son of God when I need you to carry me? And I was reminded of, Mary, did you know, um, the line where Mark Lowry wrote, this child that you delivered will soon deliver you. And how much of a weight that must have been to realize that the Son of God uh, was in her womb. I can only imagine what that must have felt like to have that reality. And so as this film uh, goes on, you see Joseph doing right by Mary. His parents tell him to stay away from her, that she should be cast aside, and Joseph uh, struggles with that. He, he admits that there's a part of him that wants to do that, but do it quietly. And there's a part of him that believes her because she hasn't given him any reason not to believe her. And um, so he deals with that struggle. The angel comes and he goes to see Mary and he says, I believe you. I want to be married to you. Um, Zacharias does the wedding, which again is not in the biblical narrative. And then the rest of the film is them, uh, trying to evade Herod and find a place to have the baby. And Herod's son finds them at the stable and he's given the opportunity to either capture them or let them go. And he lets them go and encourages the wise men to leave as well. And so he is in this film, one of the catalysts for Jesus to be made free and the wise men give their gold frankincense and myrrh to give them funding to be able to go to Egypt because the angel says that they need to go to Egypt until um, Herod dies because he's endangered. So they kind of interspersed a lot of these things and skewed the timeline a little bit, but the essentials of the story are there. And so I do think um, it is worth watching. Um, I really liked the performance of Joel Smallbone, even though it's not really a character in the story. I thought he, he did well, and I think I understand kind of what they were trying to do as they uh, developed that character, just having this idea of uh, this character coming to grips with 
whether this actually is a divine uh, king and how he should respond. I mean, we don't see him embracing this child as king, but he does realize that he can't stand by and allow Jesus to be killed. So that is a good thing. And I really think this idea of Joseph as a just man and as a good man is brought forth. Uh, there's a whole uh, scene or segment where he's struggling with his decision whether to believe her or not to believe her. And I feel like that is born out in scripture because he took his time. He didn't hastily toss her aside and that gave the angel the opportunity to come to him and tell him that Mary was telling the truth and that he should take her as his wife and he obeyed. And you see in the story of Joseph and Mary that he actually obeyed God several times for the safety of his family. And so I do think that that was brought out in this film. And as the film uh, winds to a close, you see Joseph and Mary with a four- or five-year-old Jesus telling him the story of his birth. You realize that the whole movie has been them telling the story. Then Mary and Joseph end the movie with a kiss and playfully argue about who kissed who first in their relationship. And that was a subtle thing that I really appreciated too because it alluded to the fact that Mary and Joseph had a physical relationship. And to me, that's important because in Matthew it says that he did not become physical with her until the birth of Jesus because it had to be clear that Jesus came from God and could not have come from Joseph. But we also read in the scriptures that he had brothers and sisters. And I firmly believe that they were biological on Mary's side as brothers and sisters because it says he did not know her until the birth of Jesus, not that he never knew her. And I remember reading a novel by Anne Rice about Christ the Lord. I think it was called Christ the Lord Out of Egypt. And the premise was that Joseph stayed faithful to Mary, but he never touched her because she was divine, having given birth to the, to the divine Jesus. And the reality of Scripture is that Mary was human, that Joseph and Mary were married, that Joseph um, stayed away from her physically until Jesus was born. But after that, I truly believe that they had a normal marriage and had children. We know that two of Jesus' half-brothers wrote books of the Bible, James and Jude, and we also read in the scriptures that he had sisters. And so I think he had a very normal upbringing, potentially with a large family. And we even read in the scriptures that there was a period of time where his brothers openly ridiculed him and did not believe on him, which I think is one of the reasons why Jesus left Mary with John and not with Jude or James. But we know that they eventually came to honor their brother as their savior. And James, particularly in his epistle, states that he is a servant of the Lord. And so that is a great thing to know, that his brothers eventually came 
to faith in him as the Messiah. Uh, but I can't imagine how intimidating it would be to be the siblings of the perfect son of God, because you could never blame him for something. And all of us have had the experience, at least in some degree or another, of someone saying, why can't you be more like your brother? And how intimidating would that be if that statement was made in reference to the perfect Son of God? Of course, as believers, we should aspire to be as much like Jesus as we can be. Paul says that the Christian journey is about being conformed to the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And so I think overall, uh, this was a solid film that I would recommend people watching uh, with caution with their children and having discussions about the true story of the first Christmas. Um, I give it a three out of five stars for some of the reasons that I've delineated. Again, I felt like it had a hard time figuring out what it was supposed to be. I felt like the music was kind of all over the place. And I felt like at times the storyline kind of reverted from comedic to reverent almost too often. And so I wanted to be able to give it a a possibly higher rating, but I settled on three out of five. Well, that's about all I have time for on today's show. I did want to say Happy Thanksgiving. I hope that you have a wonderful holiday with your family and friends. We will be coming to you in the coming weeks with some Christmas content. I'm not exactly sure at this point what form those Christmas podcasts will take, but if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you know that Christmas episodes are among my favorites, so they are coming and it will be something that you can look forward to. So pray with me about that, and have a great Thanksgiving. And above all, keep serving the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking for Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review. 